Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, I hope you'll rate us, review us, where you listen. And if you think a friend or family member could really benefit from our podcast, let them know about it. Today, credit reports. Gosh, they're used by creditors, employers, insurance companies. So many different ways that our credit report and or score affects what things cost us, what options are available to us. So we got a big problem out there with them being inaccurate. And later, something I've talked about before, pay in four options. So when you're buying anything from gas to clothing, it's becoming huge. And it's so important that you not fall into the pay in four trap. So credit reports have so many inaccuracies in them, it's kind of unbelievable how many inaccuracies there are with with credit reports. And now the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau reports that complaints about credit bureau problems have roughly doubled in the last three years. The credit bureaus just flat out don't care if the information they have on you is accurate. We are not their customer. Let me explain to you the background. So credit bureaus started out long, long ago, far, far away, pre the computer era, as a way when, and before credit cards, as a way for a business to decide if somebody wanted to buy a big ticket item from them, if they were credit worthy. Credit bureaus were local, and believe it or not, they had a actual paper file on you if they had one at all. So they'd have a manila folder, and they'd be filed by alphabet, and they'd get an inquiry from a business saying, so-and-so wants to borrow, well, gosh, in that era, it might have been $400 from us, or they want to buy a new whatever from us, paying over time. Can you tell us what you know about them? And so the credit bureau would bill the subscriber, the business, for finding out information about you. They'd go to the file cabinet. They'd see if they have any record on you. If they did, they'd open it up and they'd say, okay, well, she had this loan and was late three times or had these two loans and everything was great, paid as agreed. And then the business would make a decision whether or not they would extend the loan. So it was a very, very back-to-basics, not quite informal process, but very simplified, and it was all a blizzard of paper. And over time, the world changed, computers came along, 
businesses started doing business with people in other towns, other states, across the country, and you get it now. I mean, business is not local anymore. We do business with people all over the country. I don't know if you know this, banks used to be, in most of the country, strictly local. You would have your hometown bank. There weren't these banks that were national banks that did business all over the country. And so as the whole nature of commerce changed, computers came along and all that, we ended up with all these local little credit bureaus being rolled up into one of what turned out to be three big companies, now international, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And everything is about speed and lowering the cost of collecting the data. So along the way, as things became more and more automated, the records became less and less accurate. And so that's why there have been various laws passed, the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the Fair and Accurate, blah, blah, blah. And the credit bureaus basically do window dressing to comply, but don't really. So this is all to tell you that it's so important that you and I, because the credit bureaus aren't doing the job they're supposed to, which is having accurate information in their records about you, that you're the one who has to be your own police officer monitoring your own credit. That's why I talk about credit karma is a way that you can see your credit whenever you want for free from two of the bureaus. Now, a lot of the credit card companies as a benefit of having a credit card with them, make at least your credit score. And depending on the credit card company, maybe even your credit report available to you at will for free. And your job, my job, is to monitor what's going on there because the fresher there's something false about you on the report, the sooner you realize that and challenge it, the better it is for you to get that fixed. The big problem with the credit bureaus is that the way they do a supposed investigation is total, absolute garbage. What they do is when you use your rights under federal law to dispute an item on your credit report, they take your dispute and they just send it to whoever put the information on and wait for a response from them. It's supposed to happen within a month. And if whatever it is, the business, the collection agency, the financial institution says, oh yeah, we think that's right. That concludes the credit bureau's investigation, which is not how the law is supposed to work. So there's a process that I talk about from time to time when somebody contacts me about a problem they're having with the bureau, how you push buttons to try to get a real investigation to take place. It's going to require Congress overcoming the money and influence of the credit bureaus, their lobbyists, to pass a law that puts teeth in the Fair Credit Reporting Act that would require actual real investigations by the credit bureau of alleged inaccuracies of credit reports. And I don't know when that's going to happen. So in the meantime, you got to know how to do guerrilla warfare with the credit bureaus. And that's what we help you do. So with that having been said, Krista, It is time for questions. 
All right. The first one here is from John in New York. My utility works with a company that provides insulation and air sealing for homes and has an innovative model where they lay out the upfront costs and the homeowner makes payments based on the energy savings they realize from the improvements. I'm curious if Clark has any thoughts on this model and on these types of home improvements in general. If I move forward with the company, the project will be paid off in 15 to 20 years. Uh, being that I'm nearly 50, I'm not sure that I'll realize much savings from the improvements. Of course, there are other considerations and reasons to make the improvements, like the environmental benefits, my wife's comfort, and me not having to hear her complain about being cold, hopefully. Okay, so these improvement programs are kind of haphazard around the country. Uh, there are different state mandates that may require monopoly local utilities to offer these programs. And the idea of this is that someone who doesn't have the cash flow to just be able to pay for these improvements can do this with the utilities money save money over time and you're sharing the savings with the company for having done the improvements here's where the difficult part comes how do they calculate and this is what you need to know not from the sales brochure but the actual contract how do they determine that the improvements they've done have actually saved you the money they say they've saved you. Because depending on how that's calculated, you could end up in a situation where you're paying too much over the 15 to 20 years for the improvements because they may not generate the savings that they calculate they do. So you need to know going in up front that the method of calculating the energy savings is fair to your wallet before you get into a deal with them that you're stuck with for 15 to 20 years. Would this also be like with some of the, some of the solar financing where it's attached to your house, where if you sold your house, it could be a problem or no? I don't know that that would be the same difficulty, the same issue, because the solar panel leases are a liability that you're adding into a transaction, and those panels are really, really expensive. The improvements likely that the utilities tend to do are not at that level of expense normally. Yeah, but if you sold the house, you'd still be paying for it, it's, right? Yeah, the that is true. The buyer would probably end up with that as an ongoing liability. Okay. Uh, Jamar in Delaware says, I was thinking about taking my money out of the stock market and putting it into Series I savings bonds. Is this a good idea? Um, that's kind of like mixing ice cream and fruit. Or ice cream and vegetables. Okay, there you go. Um, how's that? <laughs> that's better. Okay, so I'm trying to get one that's like not apples and oranges because they are really like, are yummy. different categories. <laughs> Fruit okay. and ice cream. So the Series I savings bonds are a savings tool. The money you have in the stock market is investing for the long term. They, they have very different purposes in what you're trying to do in your life. And Jamar, the massive declines that have already happened with stocks and bonds, even though we could have a further decline from here, we're already getting to values where the stock market becomes much more promising looking forward. It's like selling into losses with the market down, depending on your portfolio, you're down uh, 20, 25%, somewhere in that range could go lower from here, but we're much closer barring some unexpected event in the world, Putin dropping nukes, something like that. We're much further along in the market having more reasonable valuations 
that can lead to long-term significant wealth. And Jamar, I don't know your age. I don't know your time horizon with investing. But if your time horizon is measured in a decade or more, ride this out. Ride the market down as far as it goes because the recovery going forward, you don't want to miss. We're not in a 2009 situation where the market had gone down astronomical percents and then people had sold out and missed an enormous market moving forward. Returns over the next decade are not going to be like they were the last decade. There are so many unique factors that led to the enormous increase in value, but still you don't want to miss the ride back up because you've already had so much pain in the ride down. And Eric in Kansas says, I've been a customer of Betterment for quite some time, and recently I noticed that they began offering a cash reserve account. My understanding is that they have a number of high-interest online banks in this program, and they manage keeping your money invested in the banks that offer the best interest rate yields. Are you familiar with this program, and is my description accurate? Yes, your description is accurate, although we have been so beat up on savings rates for so long that we've convinced ourselves that two point something percent is high yield. But based on what we've had in recent years, it is. And the Betterment thing is designed where your money is FDIC insured way beyond the 250000 normal limit. It is a good way for you to stash cash and earn money on your money. And there's more and more opportunities like this coming where you're going to be able to put money that you have in a parking space. That's what I call money and savings. You're going to be able to find parking spaces that are more lucrative than we've seen in the last 15 years. So coming up next, we're going to talk more about pay in four. It's something that has infested retail, and I need you to be really, really, really careful using it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everywhere you go this Christmas shopping season, physical stores and online, you go even to do things and travel, you go to a dentist, almost anywhere you go, you might be offered pay-in-for. Pay-in-for has spread like wildfire through the U.S. economy. Gosh, there have even been reports of people paying for their groceries pay-in-for. And what is paying for if you're not familiar with this? So you go to buy something or you're thinking about buying something and say, oh, you don't have to have all the money today. You can pay it in four easy payments. And depending on the offer, either with interest or without, and they're going to come in and they debit typically right from your checking account, the four payments. And again, depending on the offer, it could be, a quarter of the payment every two weeks. It could be a quarter of the payment every month, whatever it is. Okay, so paying for 
is something that I said has infested retail. That's a very negative statement. Why would I be so negative about it? Because people with paying for tend to make purchases they might not make otherwise. It's different than you don't have food to eat, your family's hungry, you're out of money, and you do paying for to buy groceries. That's a whole different story. I'm talking about when you go buy stuff, whatever that stuff is, or you want to buy an airline ticket, you don't have enough money to buy it, and you want to go take that vacation, and you say, oh, I'll do paying for. That's discretionary spending that would be fun, but then you got to pay the bill. So a couple of things here. People are going delinquent on paying for at very high rates to potential consequences for their credit because more and more of the paying for part of the credit reporting system and that can get bad on you. So you got that going on. And then a bank rate survey found that almost two thirds of people regret an impulse buy they've made recently. Two thirds. I mean, think about that. We shop practically and we shop emotionally and pay in for feeds in so often to those impulsive emotional purchases that later it's like, huh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I was reading a story, I'm trying to remember, I think it was an LA Times story about how for a lot of women, shopping at Target is somehow retail therapy. All these women interviewed in the story saying they were having a a bad day and they needed to pick me up, so they went to Target. And I don't know what this hold is Target has on women, because I go into Target as a guy, and I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, what's the deal? I just don't understand it. But women will go in there, and they just feel better. And the reporter was interviewing person after person, and they say, yeah, I came in, you know, just mood pickup, and I was going to buy this one thing. And they'll have this basket full of stuff. And the reporter was saying, so what was your bill? And this person was 200 and something. This person's 100 and something on like that. And so we spend money for all different reasons. And then the bill comes due. And paying for magnifies that because it makes it feel like we're not really buying those items. Krista? Okay, Jennifer in Wisconsin says, I have our credit frozen, but my husband is still very adamant that we have identity theft protection for aspects of our identity not connected to our credit. I've heard about and done some research on LifeLock and Xander. Does Clark have any suggestions for the best company that offers identity protection, or does he think it's not necessary with a credit freeze? So I got to step right into marriage wars. Yes. Jennifer, your husband's got to know you're right here. If you've done credit freeze, you've done most of what any of these subscription identity protection services will do. I would not spend the money because the most important thing you've done is setting up the credit freeze, which eliminates so many of the key aspects of identity theft. Yes, there are other things people will do in the identity theft orbit. But generally, the most common and what's so much a hassle and difficult to clear up 
is when somebody applies for credit as if they are you, and that's what you shut down with a free credit freeze. If you want to add some extra layer into your life that might make your husband feel more at peace, you could thaw both your credits temporarily and set up a credit Sesame account and a credit karma account, and then your credit goes back frozen, and then you're able to do all kinds of identity protection for free with either of these apps, plus you have constant monitoring of how you're doing with your credit and an approximation of your credit score. From Justin in Illinois, I just did a temporary lift on my credit freeze with all three bureaus. It was super easy and took about one minute at each website, but I'm concerned it was too easy. Only TransUnion requires two-factor authentication. I tried to add it with Equifax and Experian, but I don't even see an option to do that. If I've overlooked it, please help. Okay, wonderful that you brought this up. I've been uh, distressed that the credit freeze process with the credit bureaus is not as good as it was before. The credit bureaus were having a big problem. Somebody would freeze their credit years ago, and then there would come a time they needed to thaw it, and there was a unique PIN code that each bureau was issuing along with your credit freeze. So you had three of these PIN codes. Well, people move. Sometimes people aren't as good at filing things as other people. They couldn't find their their PIN codes. So then it was costing the credit bureaus a lot of labor to process the issuing of new PIN codes and getting people back to where they could freeze and thaw. So the credit bureaus decided, huh, this is too much work. We're going to use alternative methods of validating who you are. And unfortunately, it's taken away a bit of a layer of protection because if a criminal knows too much about you, they're able to defeat your credit freeze and thaw it. So that could happen. It has happened. But fortunately, a lot of criminals don't bother with people whose credit's frozen because there are too many other people whose credit's not frozen. So they just go after the low-hanging fruit and leave you alone most of the time. From David in Ohio, just a note of thanks. I used your phone contact number for an Equifax issue and the volunteer directed me to the Elliott Advocacy website where I was able to find a contact number. Within four hours of emailing the contact, I received a phone call from Equifax and resolved all the issues. Bad news is I didn't get the name of your volunteer to thank him personally. Please pass on my gratitude. So thank you so much for taking the time to write that in. Lots of things within just a few short sentences. One, Elliott Advocacy is a great consumer organization, and they do wonderful work at helping people figure out how to unlock the keys when you're having a problem with a legitimate company that's just hard to do business with. That's what they're really, really good at. And they do such a nice job with it. Uh, Then a note about Team Clark, our Consumer Action Center, and what we're able to do with one-on-one advice and guidance that we provide for free to you. And something we've been doing uh, in February, it'll be 30 years that we've been providing free one-on-one advice and guidance and assistance. And then the third thing is the credit bureaus tend to use foreign call centers with contract workers who are not really trained 
about how to deal with issues involving credit. And so when you go alternative channels, you actually get to people that are employees of the credit bureaus who actually have a clue and some idea of what to do. And that's why it's kind of like guerrilla warfare dealing with the credit bureaus. So that's wonderful all the way around. And I want to thank you so much for listening today to our podcast. Today's podcast, the content really is so much about what we're about with everything we do with our websites, our newsletters, on social media, here on the podcast, what I do on TV, and what I do on the radio stations. There are my tips. It's all about giving you knowledge and confidence to stand up for yourself, to take control, to make better financial decisions in areas where you feel like you don't really know how to do it, where to go. That's what we're about. And I hope we've been successful serving you today and in all the ways that we're able to reach you. Have a good one.